Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Don't forget, you can follow her on Facebook at The Greyhound Girl. On this episode of the podcast, I catch up with multiple Group 1 winning and champion Victorian trainer Rob Britton to have a chat about the recent addition to his kennel of like wildfire and exciting staying prospect from New South Wales. We also spoke about the recent events that happened in Victoria and how participants need to unite in the fight against anti-greyhound racing activists. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll have to start firstly with... uh with like wildfire and that, I'm keen to sort of see. You know, obviously everybody knows what he's he's done down there, and he's he's going fabulous at the moment. But yeah, how's he sort of settled into Victoria? Because obviously, you know, I've had a couple of people say, "Oh, you know, I wish he was sort of you know thrown in against the the group dogs and that." And I said, "I think you got to understand. You know, it's a big thing for a young dog going to a new kennel, a new state, learning new tracks and everything." But yeah, how's he settled in? Yeah, look, he settled in really well. But uh, in saying that, I've been very cautious to throw him in the deep end early. Yeah. Like, uh, with his tears and uh, tornado tears, I did throw them in early and it, and it worked. But I, I think he's a little bit different in that he's uh, he's got a massive middle. He's more a 650-metre dog at this stage. And I don't really want to uh, uh, overtax him, so I'm going to race him sparingly and just... Uh, just measure him up to the, the better dogs um, because I do think that the more times he goes around, the more conditioned you'll get to staying, but I don't want to do it quickly. So that the plan at the moment is just to uh, just brace him sparingly, uh, keep his confidence up and and hopefully, uh, you know, maybe in eight or ten starts he'll be a better stayer. Yep. Yeah, what have you made of his his first few runs down there? I mean, obviously, you know they've all been super impressive, particularly his most recent one where he won by fourteen and a quarter. But yeah, he seems like he, he's starting to sort of, you know, he's still you can still see how green he is too. Like he's still learning, you know, what it's all about as well. Yeah, he is. But look, we've been very lucky. Or, or he's come out really well, and he starts down here and got to the front straight away. Yep. Um, and I think, as I said before, right at the moment, I think he's a really, really good 650-metre dog. Um, if he got bottled up in the field, I'd be a little bit concerned about running the, the 700 at the moment. Yep. But uh, So, as I said, uh, we'll just try to condition him along the way and get him up to 700. Now, you know, some dogs at the end of the day uh, don't run any any further or don't actually get stronger. But I always remember his tears and dogs like that who uh, after 10 or 12 starts were clearly a stronger dog in the last section and that's why we're just taking the uh, the slower path with this bloke. Yep. Yep, and he's um, you know, his sister, you know, I think she's been a little bit um outshone by him, but you know that was a brilliant win over the five ninety five at Sandown. You must have been super pleased with that effort. I really was, and you know, uh, when Michael sent her down, he he uh, said there's not not a lot between them, and I'll be honest, I didn't really believe him, but he's right. <laughs> so, but look, again, um, I want to test her pretty quickly at, over the seven hundred. Um, and who's to say she may be the, the stronger of the two? Uh, you know, I'd like to think that was the case, but uh, time will tell, I guess. Yep. How do you, like, you know, sort of just in a bit of a summary, how do you train stayers? Do they sort of have the same training regime, you know, for all of yours, or do you tailor it to suit particular dogs? No, look, honestly, if they're 400-metre dogs and 900-metre dogs, I train them exactly the same. 
Yep. Um, it's it's purely uh, the fact that they can run seven hundred meters is uh, is in their breeding, and you know, like people say, you know, how do you get how do you get them to run seven hundred? Well, you get them off Michael Ivers. That's how it works. <laughs> because because it's in their breeding, and uh, uh, they're just natural stayers. And uh, the main thing, of course, you have to have them superbly fit to run seven hundred meters. Doesn't matter what what breeding there is, but in saying all that. Um, uh, you can't make a 400-metre dog run 700 metres, and that's, that's all, always been my case. So we've always, even myself, I've always tried to breed a dog that can run it. So yep. um, that's how it works. Yep, yep. It's, um, yeah, so obviously, like you just said, you, you do them all the same and that, so work regime and everything like that, because I have had people say to me, oh, I'm trying to get this dog to run a bit further, so I've increased their work and I've, you know, done this and that, And but, yeah, like you are just saying, if it's, they've either got it or they don't. Yeah, but, look, we, we're very consistent in working our dogs reasonably hard. They, they would go um, at least five days a week in the runs that, that the runs are up. Uh, uh, 280 metres long and they're competitive running and we use a motorbike as well. So yeah. they they uh, go up and down uh, nearly as many times as they want to and uh, you get some lazy ones but most of them, <laughs> most of them I, would, I would sort of say without having the, uh, uh, you know, uh, going around bends, I would say it would be equivalent to running maybe a 500 metre run every day. That's how they come off the track there. They're, they're tonguing it by the time they come out of those runs. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Do you like you know? Obviously, you know you, you love training all your 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 dogs, especially you know the the superstars and the quick ones. But do you get a kick out of training the stayers? I do. I really do. I think um, I enjoy the stayers, but I think it's nearly cheating because <laughs> um, because in the the uh, uh, sprinting ranks there's there's probably 80 or 100 really, really good dogs in Australia. Uh, in the staying ranks, there's probably 10. And that's why I like the stayers because once you get to a level where you're in the group class, well, you, you, the, the pool of dogs is nowhere near as strong. And not, I'm not saying it's strong, but they're not as deep. Yep. Yep. Is there, um, is there a staying race that, you know, has sort of eluded you as yet that you'd love to knock off one day? Oh, not really. I think I've been very lucky. I think I've nearly won them all at, yeah. <laughs> um, at the moment. But um, in saying that, um, every dog's different. And again, you know that there's a dog. There's a race coming up that uh, it's only I've only entered once. Is the half was it a half million dollar race at Newcastle? Yep, the seven fifteen. Um, that'd be a lovely race to win. Believe me, <laughs> not, not just the prestige, but the money would be really good. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. We cost a living and that it all helps, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. And look, I think uh, whether this dog can stand up um, like Wildfire can stand up to racing up until then, but I think that's a track that would just suit him down to the ground. Yep. I was lucky enough to see him run over 600 there and, you know, he, to me, like, I was like, oh, he doesn't look like he's travelling that good and then all of a sudden just bang, he put, like you said, that, that middle section of his, he just put nine lengths on him over a 600. Yeah, he does, and I, th I think right at the moment, I think at six fifty meters, he, he's just probably the fastest animal around. Maybe uh, uh, Ian Cockrell with uh, his dog would disagree, but um, in saying that, I, I just think that hopefully within uh, another. 
couple of months of preparation that the 700 will be his go. Yep. Nice. No, definitely. Um, now, I just wanted to shift attention. Like, obviously, um, you know, for most people would know what, um, what's been happening down in Victoria with, um, you know, some trainers and that that have been um, charged over, you know, um, some alleged offences and that. And your comment got a lot of attention on that post. And I think it was, um, you know, really great of yourself to, you know, to put it out there that, you know, we don't do this sort of stuff and you don't need to do this sort of stuff, whatever was done to train good dogs, and you're a prime example of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think most, most oh, when I say most trainers, 99.9% .9 of trainers are really disappointed that someone's been charged with a baiting and luring uh, offence. Uh, in saying that, it's probably always going to happen at the edges. You know, we can't control that. But the fact that we've got, you know, multi-million dollar um, uh, uh, integrity units right around the country uh, it, and they can only sort of find one or two within eight years since live baiting sort of tells you that uh, that 99 percent of the people do the right thing um, and as i said right at the edges doesn't matter whether it's it's uh, sports betting whether it's business churches someone will try or on, even on the roads with speed limits someone will try to cheat yeah um you know, and the end of the day, we're no different. We're just a broad church amongst that. So, at the end of the day, we've got to realise instead of getting angry, maybe we just look at and say, "Hey, we know that ninety nine percent of the people do the right thing," um, and and we just got to our, our probably our biggest challenge is trying to get that message across to the uh, non greyhound community, and yep. we probably we probably haven't done a great job at that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I usually get, you know, I work in a, a non-greyhound re related job and I get people coming up to me sort of when these stories filter out and they go, oh, do you, you know, do you do that sort of thing? And I said, look, you know, that, like you just said, that's, you know, a minute, you know, 0.01% of people. Yeah. But I said, I said, the good thing, like you just said, is they're getting caught, which is the main thing we want. Absolutely. And, you know, we want to hunt that right out of the game. And, and look, just the same as people speeding, you probably never get it right out of the game. But as long as people understand that uh, the majority of people are damn good people and do the right thing, um, but we need to get that message out there. That's the biggest issue, I think, that I don't think our industry have been very good at that. I think that um, I, I saw a report where uh, for every good thing um, people hear about greyhound racing, they hear 10 bad things about it now. Yep. My opinion is we have to balance that argument. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of hard. Like, it, it's hard to when, you, like you said, you're getting anti-greyhound racing people who, you know, you know I, I think they do personally. I think they make up stuff and then they run with it and then people will believe that over something like you're saying, you know, that we all say that, you know, 99.9% .9 of us are good people. Yeah. No, you're right. And, and look, the, the anti-greyhound uh, group... They're, they're, when you when it all boils down, they're um, they're animal rights extremists that will say and do anything to get a get to shut the game down. But we're only a pawn in their game, you know. Uh, greyhound racing is just part of it, but really they want to shut down all of ag uh, animal agriculture. Yeah. They want to uh, stop all racing, uh, and they want us all become vegans. Now, I've got nothing against vegans, but uh, for People to uh, uh, preach to try to shut us down simply because of that is, uh, you know, I don't, 
I won't wear that. Yeah. Do you have trouble with them? Like, you know, do you get anti greyhound racing people, you know, contacting you, whether it's over social media or, or what, however else? Do you have a lot of interactions with them? Don't have a lot of interactions, but uh, on the Facebook page and that, we get some some nasty comments at times. Yep. Um, and you know, like, um, I, I, I can wear it. I can't. I can handle that. But at the same time. I just think our industry needs to pull together somehow and uh, maybe maybe fight back. It's no good taking a, a knife to a gunfight, and I feel that our industry has done that over a number of years where, you know, we get called out, we, the allegations come out there, and then the, the response is pretty poor for, from our industry. Yep. Yep, because I think, you know, like I said before, you know, you don't need to do that sort of um, stuff to have good dogs, you know. They're just, they naturally chase, you know, they like the noise or, you know, they like the lures and, you know, teasers and all these new um, enhancement products that we've had. That's just such a, you know, old training method, you know, from back in the day. You don't need to do that stuff. You know, yeah. I don't know why people do it, but they don't need to do it, do they? No, absolutely not. I think that, you know, if I use um, uh, duck callers or squawkers, they call them. I use them on everything from my six-weeks-old puppies through to my uh, rearers to the breakers through to the track, and hopefully they've got them on the tracks when we race. And, and it's all about association. And if, if, if right through their career they get associated with that, well, if they don't chase after that, um, they probably should be in gap. Yeah. But um, and, and and look, there'll always be a very small percentage that uh, uh, want to go on the couch and they don't want to race. History should be questioning our um, our authorities to say who is uh, who is the spokesperson when these things happen. And I get very disappointed when. Um, News breaks, uh, Channel 9, Channel 7 are running around Lara the other day, yet there is no spokesperson for the industry. And, and I think there should be a profile person that's doing that. Um, and I'm not talking about a participant. It should be a high-profile person that is 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 uh, uh, fighting, not fighting back, but uh, answering the questions from media and things like that. And, we, you know, a $160 million industry in Victoria... Um, pretty disappointing when no one can put their head up and just to finish on a positive note like you know we're nine months into 2023 so far do you have a favorite moment um you know in, in your whether it's your kennels or something you've seen so far in uh, grand racing this year look to be honest i had a really good first half of the year and i i really enjoyed going up to brisbane for the uh uh their winter carnival or through june and july um and we, we, we did win a dash and Corsair up there, but the whole eight weeks I was up there, I just thought that uh, the weather was great, the people <laughs> were great, and uh, it was just like a holiday away from home. And, uh, you know, as I said, if I could do that every year, I'd be pretty happy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Greyhound Girl podcast and for your ongoing support of not only this podcast but of Greyhound racing in general. Remember, you can follow Dimity at the Greyhound Girl on Facebook. Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Don't forget, you can follow her on Facebook at The Greyhound Girl. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Greyhound Girl podcast and for your ongoing support of not only this podcast, but of Greyhound racing in general. Remember, you can follow Dimity at The Greyhound Girl on Facebook.